This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermilia and me, Britton Bishop. What's up, John? Sorry, Tab family. It's an inside joke that we're going to let you in on. Yeah, we're a little slap happy today. We're a little slap happy. Yeah. So we're returning. A lot of driving. Just got back from Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, had a chance to go to, an, in my opinion, the best conference I've been to. Uh, best they, conference they I've been to. They didn't try to sell me anything. Yeah. yeah. So, best, best preacher's conference I've ever been to. And I haven't been to a lot, yeah. but I've been to a few. And that was. That so was we're awesome. at the basics conference, but it's safe to say we did not fit in. This is true. So I don't know. So Break basics. Down the, mm, yeah. Before people think you're just creepy. So basics <laughs> conference. Uh, this was actually um, our student ministry pastor's idea. It was you and Adam Sharp mm-hmm. that came up. I don't know if you were perusing it online or whatever, but Alistair Begg, Alistair Begg, of one of the best preachers, I think, alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly one of the best preachers in the United States as far as an expositor of the word. He's not there for your entertainment. He's not there to tickle your ears, but he's the uh, uh, senior pastor um, at uh, Parkside Church. Out, just right outside of Cleveland, Ohio, yeah. in suburbia, country clubville, Chagrin, Chagrin Falls. Yep. Yeah. And so it's his conference. It's been going around for a while, I think 30 some years. I'd never heard of it. But the basics conference is a conference for pastors where they just take them back to the basics. And mm, <laughs> so if you want to tell them why. So so we are in a very upscale and that's not a criticism. No. This is just a different culture. Yep. A very upscale suburb of Cleveland yep. and it is a very conservative and I would say st- certainly it's an upscale church. It's been around yep. a while, they're Absolutely. very conservative and we're well a, kept, well maintained. Oh yes. It we're was in a the very back office. row. Yeah. Well there's one row behind us. Yeah. And this well, guy Well well first of all, there's two like two thousand, would you say? Yeah. There's two thousand pastors at this conference. Mm-hmm. And yes, go we're, ahead. We're yeah. in the second to last row. Because that's where we sit. Yeah. And this guy, John Woodhouse, incredible communicator of uh, Old Testament narrative, especially. I was in, from Australia. Yeah, he's from Australia, and he gets up there to, to read, and he says, "Now, if you turn with me, Second Kings. I don't even no, know if two the, kings. Yeah, to two kings. Turn to two kings, and then all of a sudden, I'm assuming this guy's probably from Texas. I don't know why, but that's just what it felt like to me. And all of a sudden, he says, "Well, if you turn to two kings, and you hear the guy behind us just go." And then and then he's like, yeah. "We'll we'll be starting in verse one of chapter one." And he goes, "Some you know something like, an Elijah, oh no, Elisha came down from the mountain." Mm. Mm. It's like, bro, <laughs> wait for the good part to like do the like the spiritual oh, moan. Yeah. So it's so it's short of an amen, but it's a uh, I'm really with you, yeah. right? There are a few and, things, and bro, there were times. When there was something, I mean, because this guy said more profound wisdom came off that guy's mouth than just about any person we've heard, including Beg, right? Yeah. This is this John Woodhouse from Australia, yeah. old as Roxy is, right? <laughs> and uh, th- that wasn't even Australia. Yeah, that we, was like- We were all th- over the place. That was Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, no, she's not Cockney. But, uh, you know, he would say something deep and profound, and then you'd you'd hear a thousand voices right. go, mm. Which <laughs> was necessary. It was, it was as necessary. But when mm. he's just saying, two kings. Yeah, mm. turn to two kings. Mm. It's like, first of all, bro, we're not a golden corral, so calm down <laughs> back there, all right? So, but uh, yeah, there were a few uh, things. I remember I pointed out early on that pastors cough. A lot. Oh my goodness! It was like every yes. thirty seconds. And when you did that, I couldn't unhear it. 
So tab family, and we're not we're not just complaining. We're just say, we're just saying we're real human beings, yep. right? So uh, we had most of our teaching uh, team there. Uh, there was one John Williams didn't make the trip, but we've got Brendan Adam, Martin Rizzi, Seth Bush, Ben Brown, Tim Burgess, and myself, and we were there for two and a half days. Mm-hmm. And there's sessions all day. There's main sessions. There's breakout sessions. And we learned a lot. And we want you to know that it was a great investment of our time and money because- Because um, we're going back into the Old Testament. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Two because, more years in Samuel. Well, 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 the whole conference was about basics, which is what we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's so easy for anyone to get away from the basics. 100%. And so they started this conference and it's just grown and kept going and kept going. And we learned a ton because we don't claim to know it all. Um, we definitely at times felt like we were fish out of water, but that's good for us. Oh yeah. That's good for us. I mean, you've, you've helped us understand we are the Oakland Raiders yeah. church ministry and this was khakis and polosville. Yeah. But you did say there was one guy that outrated us. Oh yeah. We had one guy that outrated us. He had the brass knuckles tattooed on his neck and I yeah, was like, I we aren't as tough guy. as we think we are. Yeah. There was a brass knuckle. Yeah. But it was cool. Cause what I loved was in the midst of all of the, um, I guess the word I think of now is like contextual or like aesthetic differences. Mm -hmm. So the room felt different. The people felt different. The community felt different. The music. We didn't know a single song. Sorry. I knew one song that they sang. During one of the songs, there was a phrase in it. It was some old hymn and they said something about the devil will buff it. And I'm just going to be honest with you, Tab family. I sang buffet. Okay. (laughs) So in the middle of worship, I may or may not have, but probably did sing the word buffet. Bishop was hungry. (laughs) It's like, what? There's a buffet? Oh, the Lord loves me. (laughs) You're singing buffet. It was about buffet. So that happened. Um, But yeah, in the midst of all of that difference, what I loved was that on center display was the gospel. And it was the same Mm -hmm. gospel that if you were to go to the tabernacle or to Parkside, it was, that's what I loved about it was it showed us that we're doing it right. We're just doing it different. I love the way Mm -hmm. Ben says it. We're not better or worse. We just are. That's right. And I think that for everybody in that room, because that's a, that's a place to slip into as a pastor, I know. Yeah. Especially when I start looking at other student ministries, Instagrams, or I go speak at an event and I see this student ministry that's exploding and it's just like, no, we're not better. We're not worse. We just are. Yeah. And it's, I think that that was it's a, cool a comparison game. Yep. Yeah. And that, and, and the heart of our guys was, yeah, we noticed those things. Here's another thing that I noticed. Um, it is the irritation of every preacher when somebody leaves their phone ringer on and it goes off like yeah. and and if you're in the back that's one thing when you're in the front row or the second row and it's you like, got there early for that seat yeah you got there early and you saw the slide five times it says please silence your phones <laughs> but it was doubly irritating when in this in this thing uh, with with again two thousand preachers dudes that get mad about this every other week yeah there was <laughs> at least eight phones going off per session the best and it's one, like, really, guys? Turn your daggone phones off. Woodhouse is unpacking Nam, Naaman and all this from Two Kings 5. From Two Kings and all of a sudden you just hear, beat it, beat it. <laughs> Michael, Jackson, Michael it's like, Jackson. Which one of you reformed dudes in here has Michael Jackson beat it going oh, on? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that so was. He stood up and he had a sweater yeah. with a dress shirt underneath. Yes. So if you're one of those nerds that uh, loves to um, geek out like we do and listen to other pastors mm-hmm. or Bible teachers. Yeah. Uh, the two that I would, re- of course, Alistair Begg, you can go on Truth yeah. For Life. I mean, I'm a Truth For Life junkie. Yep, I, I have it. 
I work out a lot to, I don't work out a lot, but when I work out, <laughs> I work out to Alistair Begg, yep. you know. I listened to um, him this morning on the way. But you could also look up John Woodhouse um, of Morehouse. I think it's Morehouse, Morehouse University. Co- Morehouse yeah. College. Yeah. In Sydney, Australia. Yep. And, or anything that they write. Yeah. Especially Woodhouse. Yep. Uh, he was a powerhouse. So, yeah. so the basics, I mean, if I could kind of get to the theme and this is a theme of that conference, but it's a theme for us at our, it's always been a theme for us 100%. at our church, but it should be the theme for the listener or the, or the viewer of our podcast is all of scripture is about Jesus. Yeah. All of the old Testament is about Jesus. All of the new Testament is about Jesus. And what they were doing, especially Woodhouse in his sessions is he was taking a very tedious old Testament passage, second Kings or two Kings as it's known, which by the way, uh, we've decided that from now on, we're only referring to out of out of a tip of the hat to John Woodhouse. You know, when we're in two Corinthians, we'll say turn to two Corinthians, yeah, <laughs> just two Corinthians chapter Absolutely. two, right? Yeah, but um, he took Second um, Kings and related it to the gospel, yeah. and related it to Christ, and related it to Jesus in a way that was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it's, you know, as soon as he went there, I'm like, oh, why didn't I see that? Yeah. You know, but then exactly. I'm like, I'm so grateful for this old guy showing me how. Right. So it was it. so cool. Yeah. And then uh, the other guy that did a really good job was Tony Morita. Yeah. From Imago Day Church. Um, he's another, he had a big beard. That's why you liked he did. him. I liked him. And his, if you're like, man, you know, I'm trying to read this book of the Bible and it's confusing or I need something like a resource to go along with it. Like something I use often is he has a really, it's a simple commentary, which I don't mm. know if people are like, dude, I'm not using a commentary. But if you're out there and you are, Christ-Centered Exposition, by, uh, he's one of the authors of Christ-Centered Exposition. It's what I use. It's my commentary that I use anytime I preach. And it's just this, and it has all the books of the Bible, and it brings things back to Christ-Centered. Where is Christ in the midst of this text? I use the first and second Samuel one when we journey through that. Um, I've used the James one with Foundry. Um, I use the Ephesians one with my fight club. And, uh, and so it's incredibly well done and it's not boring. So like he did the funny, he was, oh, yeah. he was the one that I actually used him in a sermon, but it was like when the Jesus challenges the Pharisees with the quite, he asked the question back and he says, so that he did, they did what any, um, conservative evangelical does whenever they have a question, they held a conference. Oh yeah. And it's like those little tidbits yeah. that are like, man, he's bringing life to scripture in a way that I've never seen it. And he yeah, always he brings was good. it back to Christ. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so our, I think we're going back. We're going back. And sure. uh, here at our church, um, we've just finished a Christ-centered exposition with mm-hmm. the Gospel of Luke. Yeah. Uh, um, we probably won't do uh, a book of the Bible that way again where we skip through. Right. But I don't want to say forever because mm-hmm. there will come a time when we hit some of the Old Testament books um, where, man, if you try to go through uh, verse by verse with some of the uh, with some of the Old Testament uh, uh, prophets. Oh, yeah. That might get a yep. little tedious, Absolutely. and 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 what I never want us to do as a church, even even though our bread and butter, as far as the preaching goes, is we go through books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, Topical is very hard. Um, confession, I think I've, I, I don't know if I've ever said it in a public way. I right. know I've said it to our staff team a lot. I hate topical, I, I, I because I feel like I'm always inserting my own opinion, Same. my own value. You know, I'm searching the internet for some humanistic things yeah. and then sprinkling verses on top yep. of it. Not to say that there's not a time and a place for topical, um, because we're actually starting a topical series, but it's still exposition. It's still exposition. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I've started because when I came here, I came from a church that was topical. Um, which it wasn't better, it wasn't worse, it just was, right? It just was, and, yeah. Uh, some, some preachers are really good at that. And so I started writing content for Foundry, and I remember our first couple series were topical, and then I found this rhythm of 
there's a really cool way to do topical through books of the Bible and how it's like, man, God is way smarter than I am. Yes. And I don't need Brian ideas. He's got way better ideas right here. Right. And so I've really appreciated that transition just even as a preacher because Mm -hmm. it's like, man, I get to, instead of it being up to me to be the impressive one, I just get to lean on scripture and, uh, and he does all the work and does it way better than I ever could have. So like our, our, uh, (laughs) sorry, uh, sorry, tap fam. That's good. That's, you know, I am a dad. And so dads (laughs) don't know when to let go of the dad joke. So like our, uh, with foundry, remember we went through our kingdom culture series. It was like, man, what are the characteristics of kingdom culture? And I started writing them down. I was like, wait a second. Jesus talked about this. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And then the kids are like, we're going to talk about the Sermon on the Mount for 14 weeks. And it's like, yeah, why not? I was just going to talk about 14 random things. We might as well see what Jesus had to say about kingdom yeah, culture. that's good. And it was cool. And it brought fresh ideas and said all the things I wanted to say that I would have found. And so, yeah, that's why I like expository preaching. But with all that being said. Yes, sir. We're about to start a new series next Sunday. So people, this podcast is dropping and uh, this coming Sunday, um, we will be embarking in a new series. So do you want to kind of promo that series for a minute and then we'll kind of take a dive into it? Absolutely. So uh, I'm going to credit the, um, well, okay, so our teaching team, we got together. And what, what was kind of on my heart was, you know, we did First Samuel, we went right into Second Samuel, and then we went right into the Gospel of Luke. And before we start our next expository series, uh, which, by the way, is uh, going to be First Corinthians, we oh, thought, hey, oh yeah, it's going to be great. And I'm sorry, we're we're talking about this one, <laughs> but um, we're we're going to take eight weeks. And 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 what was on my heart was really, hey, we need to cover some basics again, some basics of discipleship, some basics of discipleship, some fundamentals, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you were an athlete, I was an athlete, or you know, coach, do all that kind of stuff. Um, countless times throughout my life, I have either had a coach tell the team that I was playing on, or as a coach of a team that I'm coaching, I've had to remind players, hey, guys we or girls, we need to get back to the basics. Mm-hmm. We need to get back to the fundamentals of this sport. For you, it was blocking mm-hmm. and tackling. And, you know, you, you actually showed me as an offensive lineman, one of the biggest uh, skills and fundamentals that you had to master was uh, running backwards. Right. Right. Or yeah. you didn't say running backwards. I mean, it's more like. It's a kick step backwards. But it's yeah, a kick it's, step backwards. Yeah. yeah. And if you can't do that at a high level, you're not going to be an offensive lineman right. at a high level. Right. Yeah. If you can't as a quarterback, you know, you know, there's a certain way. I mean, lots of us are like, man, I could throw a spiral. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah but, you know. Throw a football quarter mile. Exactly. <laughs> from Napoleon Dynamo. There's fundamentals, though, yeah. to, you know, getting your, your, your arm up high and coming over the top. And they don't like the sidearm guys unless, you know, you're winning Super Bowls doing it. Yeah. But um, uh, as, as a church, we have so many new people at both of our campuses. We have so many new viewers and listeners that we don't even know. Mm. And so um, it's easy to become a part of a church and just assume that everyone knows what they're doing. And men especially are great at faking it. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, if I look right and I say the right <laughs> words and, and don't, don't, you know, show up drunk or, you know, chew or, right. or smoke in church and, 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 and don't swear in front of the preacher, you know, he'll think that, that I'm, that I'm a good guy. Yeah. Instead, you know, and maybe that's a stereotype that I'm oversimplifying it. But all of us, I don't care if you've been a Christian for a minute or, you know, forever, uh, getting back to the basics of discipleship is an important thing. Yeah, absolutely. I was excited when we started just kind of brainstorming this series because it's something that so often is necessary. And it's something that is, I'm, I'm a lot earlier in my kind of 
faith and in my walk with Christ than anybody else that sits at that table. And so it's just cool seeing a guy like John Williams or a dude like you or Tim that's sitting down and it's like, man, this is this new thing that I've been learning. And it's like, man, that's super basic. And it gives me hope because I'm like, okay, so I'm not just going to figure this out all of a sudden. And my need to return to these fundamentals isn't a hindrance to me, but it's actually just the process of discipleship, this process of sanctification that this idea of following Jesus, there's not a finish line right. on this side of eternity. And these seasoned veterans, these seasoned saints that have been doing this for way longer than a young guy like me are still having to return to these things. So it was it was a source of encouragement for me because it's really easy to get discouraged sometimes right. when I start looking at, well, I don't have this training. Or when you go to a conference like we just went to and I hear these dudes brain, I'm like, hey, Seth, what does that word even mean? I just sang right. buffet. I don't know what es- – Escalological or whatever that Eschatological. Word. Yeah. And yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. hey, Seth, what does that mean? And yeah. then he tells me, I'm like, oh, well, why didn't he just say that? Yeah, and, exactly. But, yeah. So I think it's encouraging for me to hear all of this Jeez. because what I love is whenever we do these series, and this is something you say often that I've stolen completely, is we're preaching to ourselves. Yeah. And I think that this series, this this series that we're going to jump into is more for, for me as a church member, I'm excited about because it's something that as I'm starting out in a new journey of I'm getting married, um, I'm, I've moved, I'm starting to figure out what this new process of life is going to look like. And so to for me and my new wife to be sitting down in church every Sunday and kind of taking our marriage like, okay, we're, we're just starting out, but let's get to the basics of yeah. our faith together, our faith apart um, and how we're going to serve the church and one another and all of this. And so as a church, as a member of the tabernacle, not just as a pastor or a person that's on the teaching team, but just as a member of the tabernacle, I'm pumped yeah. because there's so many pieces in here that are so easy to forget whenever you get in a book like Samuel and you start really digging into David and all this stuff. But we, I think we do a really good job um, as a content and teaching team, and you do a really good job of bringing us back to those things often, but I'm excited that just this intentional, I think eight weeks or whatever, we yep. reserve the right to add yep. 12 more. Uh, <laughs> and so, but just this period Vicky of time, will kill us. <laughs> yeah, but this period of time just to say, no, this is what it's about. And if you can not even grasp these, not perfect these, but mm-hmm. if you can continue to remember these and know where to go back to, then when we jump into a book like first Corinthians and we can look at, okay, what's Paul saying right here? Right. Okay, and that relates to this ultimate, this core piece of being a disciple of Jesus. Now I see why Paul's saying that this to these people. This is what, it, and so that's what I'm excited about yeah. more than anything. So, so the strength of a church is going to be, in my opinion, well, it's obvious. The strength of a church is Christ and His mm-hmm. Spirit. Yeah. But as far as what we bring to that strength, the strength of a church is the strength of its disciples. Yeah. And so, um, we've we've talked about this before with our church that that there's this process by which disciples are made. All of us in the or every person in the world is a seeker. Mm-hmm. They're all seeking something. Even the person that never wants to step foot in a church is seeking something, meaning they're seeking purpose. They're seeking uh, uh, the origins of life and where they're going to go when they die. And they're either looking for it in stuff or in religion or spirituality or yoga, right? <laughs> but the, everybody's seeking something, right? I got kicked out of a yoga class one time. <laughs> I had to That's say a it. Compl- I was going to think about it if, you, if I didn't say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Benjamin, uh, do you have like yellow cards and red cards? Because we might have to give him a yellow card because that was a caution. That was a caution. Stay on task, young man. Right. No, I'm just messing with you. (laughs) So so we all start as a seeker. At some point, you come to faith where you Mm -hmm. believe in God. You cross from death to life. So a seeker becomes a believer. And this is simply, you know, Romans uh, uh, 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, so, so we go from seeker to believer, but Jesus calls us to something more. He calls us to become followers. And it's, it's, a, it's a hair, you know, some people might say, well, there's no difference between a, a believer and a follower. Yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that become Christians that never really move beyond that. And our goal, one of our goals with this series is to see people progress in their discipleship. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, said it multiple times in the Gospels, throughout the Gospels, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, mm. right? And so, mm, <laughs> I heard you do that. Yeah, no purpose. one's going to know what to do now, <laughs> mm, right? So, so, so that, that proves that there's a difference between believer and follower. Yeah. And then from follower, natural outflowing of being a follower is to be a laborer, yep. right? So that seeker, believer, follower, and laborer. And so what we're trying to do as a church is make disciples. Mm-hmm. So it isn't, you know, there's a lot of people even in church that get caught up with, yeah, our church, you know, the, you know, the mission is just love God and love people. No, that's, that's, that's two thirds of it. Right. It's love God, love people, including those in the church and outside the church, and then make disciples. That's the factory. That's, that's the widget that I mean, our organization is trying to yeah. produce. Yeah. And I think often for like just the average church attender, um, the love God, love people part is their part. And then that third part is our job. The make disciples. Is I yes. think often where people would land. And that's not like a judgment or anything, but I think that's where people are like, yeah, I show up and I love God and I do my best when I leave here to go be a domino and love people. And then the make disciples, well, that's what John does on Sundays. Or that's mm, what nope, Brendan nope, Adam nope. do with the students or that's what the fight club leaders are doing. That's participation. Yeah. And so, the make disciples part. So break yep. down that piece of why, if I'm a, an attender or a member of the tabernacle, why is it my role to make disciples? Yeah. So, so I wouldn't say it's exclusively our role, and right. I don't believe that's what you're saying, is your, your discipleship journey, the quarterback of that process is Jesus right. by his spirit. Right. So the Holy Spirit convicts and guides and counsels and rebukes and encourages mm-hmm. and empowers. So we can do nothing. And if there's anything that our brothers at the Basics Conference pounded in our heads is how weak we are mm-hmm. and how strong he is and how it's really not us, it's him. And, and really driving us back to his word yeah. where the, the, you know, the powers in the word, um, everything we believe about God is in the word. If I don't believe the word, I think one of them said it, to not believe the word is not to believe God. Yeah. And to believe the word is to believe God. I mean, it, it's all related here. Jesus, Jesus called himself the word. So, so back to your question, Jesus is in charge of the discipleship process, but it requires my participation. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, within that, one of the things we talked about at that table uh, with with our pastoral, you know, teaching team is that disciples are not mass produced. Handmade. They're, they're, yeah, they're yeah. handmade. They're custom made yeah. one at a time. And we participate in that. And it's not pretty. Mm-mm. It's messy. 100%. You know, I think one of the scriptures that... Um, that we heard someone breaking down was that classic men's ministry scripture, which isn't just about men's ministry. It's men, women, people, which iron sharpens as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. If you've ever seen iron being sharpened, you know, I heard Benjamin out in the, out in the pole barn. He's, he's been working on a knife that he's making and, and you could hear the grinder from inside the house. Right. So it's iron. Sorry for the sound effects. Oh, cool. Iron is is sharpening iron. Yeah, and there's actually, sp- actually it was a stone. 
Oh, it was it was iron sharpening stone. No, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, stone was sharpening iron. Stone was sharpening <laughs> iron. You're killing my point here, bro. My point <laughs> is is that there's sparks, there's bits of metal. Right. Uh, it's it's hot. There's there's flakes that are flying off, and so it's the same thing with with the discipleship yeah, process. And so so God's in charge of it. We participate in it. I can't make myself a better disciple, right. but I can I can obey God, mm-hmm. and I can I can push myself. I can challenge myself. So I think it was. Uh, well, here, here's 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 our guiding. Um, right. I would say it's our guiding scripture. It actually comes from First Timothy chapter four in verse eight, where it says, um, "Well, well, actually, start starting in the last part of verse seven. It says, rather train yourself for godliness, and then verse eight. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life." And also for the life to come, and so you know you're 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 right now, just you know your next physical training. I'm not trying to embarrass you, nothing. It's dude, you're getting married, and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in Britain's wedding pictures, dude. I got to get to the gym, right? So we know about physical training, and our listeners or our viewers, they know the same thing. It's like, oh, you know, New Year, new me. I got to make a resolution and get down to the gym and try to shed a few extra pounds. And and here the Bible speaks about that. It says, oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, there's some value in taking care of your body. Yeah. But you know what has real value is godliness. Yeah. And so here in First Timothy, it says, train yourself for godliness. And so that's when, you know, we were trying to title the series. And, uh, you know, I remember just throwing out there to the crew and I'm like, hey, um, what are we going to call this series? You know, you know, we've got this idea of, of this violence of iron sharpening iron. And, you know, God's in charge of the process. And right here, Paul is telling Timothy, uh, train yourself for godliness. Physical training is nice, but you know what, what prepares you for this life and the next is godliness. Mm-hmm. And then John Williams said, blood, sweat, and tears. Blood, sweat, and tears. That's yeah. what makes a disciple. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Benjamin. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. the name of the of the series is blood, sweat, and tears. And what what we mean by that is... It, you know, as soon as John said it, I was like, oh, that's sticky. Blood, sweat, and tears is what bought my salvation. Yeah. Jesus bought our salvation with his blood, his sweat, literally sweating drops of blood, mm-hmm. his tears, you know, as he agonized going to the cross for us. So his blood, sweat, and tears bought my salvation. My response to him is blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. It, so blood, sweat, and tears, I want to make clear, and I'll, I'll make it clear, you know, uh, throughout the series. Um, blood, sweat, and tears does not earn anything from God, mm-hmm. but it's a response to his blood, sweat, and tears right. is I want to put what, you know, as much as I can into becoming like him and to becoming a better disciple. So that's my perspective. What is your perspective on all do? Yeah. I think just the blood, sweat, and tears aspect, because so many, I mean, you're going to break this down this week, but that, uh, so I don't want to give a ton away, but we've been breaking it down for years. So yeah. just that idea that your salvation is by grace through faith right? so that no one can boast, but then we all forget about chapter or verse 10, right? But they're your God's workmanship. So God has forged you. He has molded you. He has taken you through that process of your, his workmanship. You're made by God with purpose for purpose. Right. On purpose, right? Yes. And so through that, and it says you met your God's workmanship ship to do good, good works, th- good works that yeah. have been prepared in advance for you to do. So there's that idea that those good things to us, um, good is a different word than maybe to what it means to God or what it means in His idea of our purpose for our life. But through that, so there's this process. There's this kind of discipleship 
trail that we're all going down. There's, I'm saved by grace through faith. I can't boast. It's Christ alone. My life has been changed forever by his death, burial, and resurrection, the sacrifice he made on the cross by his blood, sweat, and tears. And now my response to that. That's right. This is all, this is all about response. It's not about earning. Yeah. It's about responding. Right. And I think that that is that key piece is, is it's that whenever you enter into a, a series like this or you enter into a relationship with Jesus, understanding that this none of this is to make sure he loves you. Mm-hmm. It's a response. And I think that that's the key piece for me. And it was early on, early, early on in my faith because it was really easy for me to slip into that space when I was an intern at a church and I'm changing the oil in the church vans, right? And if you know anything about me, I don't even I didn't even know what I was doing. I'm you right, know how to change oil? I do now. I don't. <laughs> but they're like, hey, we need you to go do that. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. that means Jesus yeah. will love me more. And it's like, oh. and that's just, that's what's going on in my head. No one ever said that. That yeah. was just what I had decided. Right. Is that this whole thing is going to be built out of making sure mm. he knows that he loves me. And that's trauma, right? Yeah. That's my yeah. own. That's your own that's issues. my own issues. Yeah. And I, maybe not everybody does that. I think but, a lot of people, I think, sorry, I, no. I think a lot more people do that than we might. Right. <laughs> but then what I learned, there was a, there was just kind of this moment where I, I had an awesome mentor and I'm like pumped. The students all get to meet him this summer. He's coming to speak at our camp. Um, nice. But, and he just sat me down and he's like, Hey man, you're working from the wrong place. Hmm. Cause I was getting tired and I've only been doing this like four months. And he's like, you do everything I ask you to do. You do it well and you work hard. But he's like, you're not going to last very long. Cause I was getting tired. I was getting mad at God. I was getting angry because it's like, I'm doing all this stuff and nothing's happening the way it's supposed to. And he's like, but why are you doing it? And what I was, what I caught myself doing is it was not built out of response. It was built to build a response. Cause it was, if I do all this stuff, right? The foster Christie adage of my obedience equals God's obligation. That's where I was working from. And so I think this idea of blood, sweat, and tears to enter into it in the headspace of this is our response to Christ's right. Right. blood, sweat, and tears. This is, a, this is a series that isn't built out of duty and discipline, but like Foster, we're just going to yeah. keep quoting Foster. It's a series that's built out of delight and desire, right? Exactly. It's no longer obligation, it's opportunity. Right. And so I think whenever you view things through that lens, things just start to clear up, in my opinion. And that's yeah. why I'm excited for some of the things we're going to break down. I know you're going to spend some time talking about prayer and scripture, and you're going to talk about um, giving an answer for your faith and, and different series topics along the way, um, how to deal with conflict. Um, I think another one um, we're doing is— Oh, these are all fundamentals, man. Yeah, yeah. or faith without works. And so you hear yeah. that, and you're like, okay, well, James was tripping. The, but right, and Faith so, without works is dead. Yeah. And yeah. so just all of those, whenever you look at those through the lens of delight and desire rather than duty and discipline. Right. And so whenever I— Which I was tapping right there because I, I, I literally—I I hope this doesn't disappoint people, but right. I don't have all the answers, uh-huh. and I'm glad you reminded me of that. I want to make sure in the very first um, uh, ser- sermon that sets it all up that mm-hmm. we remind people that it is, 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 is that response mm-hmm. is delight and desire. Right. Because the slippery slope is with blood, sweat, and tears, we're going to be talking about disciplines. Yeah. And so even if you don't listen to our sermons or you're not going to listen or you're like, well, I'm checking out— all of these are based on a scripture that we chose. Yep. In fact, the way it kind of, you know, we'll give people the whole behind the scenes thing is I said to the teaching team, you know, we had a marker board. We're yep. down here in the war room. And it was like, all right, guys, what are the key scriptures that guide your discipleship journey right now? Yep. And I said, I'm going to go first. It was one of the first scriptures that I ever memorized because, you know, I was, I was saved and baptized at a young age, mm-hmm. but it was somewhere in my teen years. I was right about Benjamin's age when I was like, Okay, I need to make my faith my own. And I wasn't perfect at it, but that's when I first started reading the Bible mm-hmm. for myself, highlighting, underlining, 
Uh, you know, in my later teen years, I started trying to memorize a verse or two that I didn't want to forget. In my early 20s, you know, I got out of college. It was the same thing. It was a part of a ministry. And it's like, man, I need to know these verses. Right. One of the very first ones, I'll never forget, you know, I'd go running and have this verse on a card. If it was wintertime, I'd put it on a treadmill, was I wanted to know Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Mm-hmm. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is a gift from God, not from yourselves, right, so that no one can boast. And it was this whole, it's about grace yep. and faith, and it's not, this isn't me, right? Yep. This is this is a complete gift. And I love the fact that you brought up uh, verse 10, mm-hmm. which is, but there's also a purpose. The next yeah. thing it says, it's you are saved by grace through faith, this complete gift. You know, even the even faith is a gift from God um, that I can turn to him as a gift from God. And then uh, uh, for or because of that, there's something that God has for me to do. Yeah. And I love, too, in verse 10, how it points to the other gift of God is that he didn't just give you things to do. He created you with those things in mind. Yes. And so we're his workmanship. We're designed specifically your calling, I think everybody would agree at this point, right? You're you're a gifted communicator. God gave you the, you didn't have to, like, it wasn't like, there's obviously times of grind and times of cr- honing right. your craft, but you have a natural gifting towards communication. Right. Whereas we have people that are naturally gifted administrators and God is using them in an incredible way to administer right. different things and to, to, to do the details and all stuff like that. So I think whenever we look at God's design for my life and what my purpose is, so many, if, if you're really struggling to do something, I would consider uh, and taking an inventory of, well, what, what is my, what has God created me to do? What are my natural giftings and how can I use those? Because those aren't on accident. Right. And there's so many people that think that their giftings are on accident and they might, no, figure out a way to serve God in the midst of that. I love the stories of the guys that start these just outrageous ministries. You're like, what the heck? How's that going to work? And you're like, well, it's working because God's all over it because they're, operating in the midst of how God created them to be. And so that workmanship word was yeah. a key for me as well. And and it isn't just for preachers. Right. And this is this isn't just a blatant brag on my kid over there in a the corner. Mm. But uh what what he's doing right now, I have no clue how to do. And if even if I was trained I mean I could probably be trained to do it, but I, I would I would not have the natural aptitude that he has for that. And you know, for folks it's like, oh here he goes again with I don't make my kid serve at this church. Right. In fact and I don't want to make him mad, but I'm actually surprised. Mm. I'm surprised that he he loves doing all this tech stuff because that's not my jam. Mm-hmm. But God created him differently than he created me, yep. differently than he created you. Um, but but we have a tendency to forget that in the midst of life. Yeah. So so if you'd have asked me at age 14, what did I want to do? Well, I wanted to be an officer in the military. But if you'd asked me at 18 what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Mm. Well. I did that for a hot second, but I wasn't super successful at it. You know, I, I was a sub at the pro level at best. Right. And so I can live the rest of my life going, well, you know, that coach didn't put me in or I didn't <laughs> get my chance. Or if I'd have played at a team that wasn't as good, I'd have been a star. And because I played on a championship team that which yeah. made me a sub, uh, I can do that my whole life or say, you know what? God had something different in mind for you, John. Yeah. So that's nice. You know, you kind of got your wiggles out there, right. but where he was really directing me and I'm not trying to make it about my change of life story. This is just my testimony. Right. I didn't think that I was going to be a communicator. Mm-hmm. I was a stuttering kid <laughs> uh, uh, that was really rather introverted. People don't believe that either, right. that I r- would really rather not go out in public at all. And somehow he shaped that because he had a plan, which was to put the stuttering kid that really didn't want to be there on that stage to preach God's yeah. word, right? 
but that just doesn't happen magically. There's right. some blood, sweat, and tears that goes into that. 100%. So whatever he's got you in, whether he's called you to be a godly husband and father or a godly mother and wife or, you know, a kid that's going to go, you know, cure cancer. Hmm. Discipleship is for all of us. Yeah. And so this blood, sweat, and tears piece is, okay, how do we train ourselves for godliness? Mm-hmm. And and this isn't the big giveaway, you know, so, so this is just something that I, you know, in the little write-up that I do that's an internal document for our staff— it, it, it goes this way. Salvation from Jesus is freely received by grace through faith, but following Jesus is another story. Being a disciple is costly, requiring us to deny self-sacrifice, and it takes real work. Jesus promised that it wouldn't be easy, but nothing worth having comes easy or quickly, and that includes a deep relationship with God. Our redemption costs Jesus in blood, sweat, and tears. Following Jesus will cost us the same. And so the challenge that we're going to lay out there, yeah, we're going to be talking about disciplines, spiritual disciplines, but we don't expect everyone to add this to their spiritual checklist. Oh, I got to do all these things for Jesus to love me. No, we're going to go through eight different things that if we remember those, if we apply those, if we pursue those things, those eight different things that our staff just threw out there, mm-hmm. um, it's going to make us better disciples. And it isn't all about, well, you know, like you said, uh, week, week two, we're going to talk about works, the, the whole faith works paradox. What does that look like? Is it just faith? Yeah, but it's faith and works. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, but the works don't happen in a vacuum and faith doesn't happen in a vacuum. They're completely connected. Um, uh, prayer. There's still people that don't know how to pray. Or they think, well, I can never pray out loud. I mean, how many things have you been at? And it's like, right. there's time to pray for the meal. And you're the only preacher that, oh, Britain, you want to pray for us? Yeah. It's like, I get it. But it's like, I'm not the only dude that knows how to pray. What I always do in those moments is I say the most oversimplified. Yeah. Hey, Jesus, thanks for I do the same food. thing. Amen. Yeah. Or Lord, thank <laughs> yep. you that we didn't have to go up into these hills and yeah, kill ourselves and, you know, kill this food ourselves. You know, I don't know if Hope's her grandma definitely doesn't listen to this, but one time. That she grew up in a Catholic background, and after I prayed at one meal, her grandma asked her mom, she said, so do we have to call Britain father? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. that was my mother-in-law's. <laughs> my mother-in-law's mother was a Shiite mm. Catholic, which um, that's right. not a real thing. I'm just saying she was super devout. Yeah. And, and when she was a shut-in, uh, you know, she was like, you know, you know, Pat had to arrange for the priest to come by so she could take mass. Right. And I was like, I can bring communion to your house. She's like, you're not a priest. <laughs> she just, she smiled. was I like, you're it. not a priest. And I was like, well, you know, I got a British friend that calls me a vicar. <laughs> Joan the vicar, uh, you know. But yeah, so we're going to talk about prayer um, and how to pray because a praying church is a strong church. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a lot about scripture. Every one of these topics, and this is our trick move. It's a topical series, but really we started with what are your eight favorite Bible verses? Right. And, and so they're the eight favorite Bible verses of the seven guys in that room and uh, uh, how to defend your faith. Yep. That's a part of being a disciple. There's a, you know, and, and it's more than just your story. Mm-hmm. Your story is important, but there was a whole generation of people that were like, hey, you know, sharing your faith is just about sharing your story. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But there's also knowing what the faith is, right. knowing what the foundation, you know, you may not, as I've heard um, multiple staff members say, um, I, I don't remember the address in the Bible, but you need to know where it is mm-hmm. or that it's in the Bible, you know? So, so just learning how to paraphrase it. So 
another cool thing, well, I hope it's cool. Another cool thing that we're trying to do with this series is we want to give people practical tools. We want to make it sticky. And, and, and so one, one of the goals is to have like a little business card that every person that attends live. And here's, a, here's another shout out for why you should want to attend live because we're not going to send this to all our listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't have that kind of postal money. Right. right? But, if, but if you attend live for each message, there's going to be a different card that has the one big point, the big rock that you need to remember. And if you flip it over, it has the scripture. So you can use that as a reference point, or you can use it as a bookmark, or you can put it on the dash of your card, or you can throw it away. Yeah. But our whole, you know, or you can collect them like a collector series. Hey, we're here for the blood, sweat, and the tears series. <laughs> there were eight cards, man. There were rookie cards. Got yeah. all eight, right? <laughs> and uh, and 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 the point is to help us in the making of disciples. So Absolutely. so we're not above any trick move that we can because here's here's the hack. Here's the hack for becoming a better disciple faster. There is no hack. No. You just, discipline is just discipline. Yeah. Do it. You just either do it or not do it. Mm-hmm. You either read it or you don't read it. You either memorize it or you don't memorize it. You either pray or you don't pray. You either apply it or you don't apply it. Right. You know, so. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think too, um, I, I, as I, I think in story and I think in illustration often. And so when I look at this idea of blood, sweat, and tears and, well, I, I'm a Christian. And so there's that whole piece. But I remember in high school, right, every, the the whole in Oklahoma, everybody's dream was to play college football. But you didn't just get your college scholarship on Friday nights. College scholarships were earned on in July at 6 a.m. in the morning. Doing what? Working out, doing all the stuff, right? Mm. Sweating, doing all a, out there. But then you get your college scholarship and you get to go play college football and you get there. And you realize, well, there's a huge difference in being a good high school football player and being a good college football player. And and then you're in that weight room. But the biggest shift that I saw in college is the guys that were successful on the football field were the dudes that not only lifted the weights, that loved the weights. They were Ooh. dudes that loved being in the mm. weight room. They they were, I mean, every single minute they could get in there to either just get better. They were taking care of their bodies, nutrition, all of it. Those are the guys that now I get to sit down to watch a football game and say, yeah, I was roommates with that guy. Because big dog that plays defensive tackle for the Jets lifted every minute when the rest of us were hanging out watching TV. When the rest of us were going out to party or do whatever, he was taking care of his body. He was doing what it took, what was necessary to continue moving up. And that's not this idea of do more do less so that you can do more Christian, but just this concept of you have to fall in love with the process, I think is what I'm trying to say, is this idea that in Christianity, if the whole time, if your whole discipleship is built out of an idea that someday I'll arrive, you will end up disappointed. But if your whole faith is built out of this idea that I'm just going to love the process of getting to know Jesus a little bit more every day, I think you'll find this increasing in joy, this this increasing in desire, this this whole process of loving Jesus more and loving the people around you more because you're not getting frustrated that you're not there yet. Right. But I think you can find joy in the fact that you're one step closer than you were yesterday. Yeah. And that's what's had to shift for me, especially just as you, I mean, you're young, you're trying and doing all this stuff, but just that idea that, man, I'm one day closer to finishing well, to, 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 to this ultimate journey of, of getting to see Christ. I'm one day closer to heaven than I was yesterday. And it's not about arriving, but it's just about one day at a time, one step at a time. What do I need to do today to love Jesus better? And that day it might be, I need to memorize some scripture because 
there have been some moments in this past week where there have been lies, there's been temptation, and I need to have some stuff in my brain to replace that with. Right. And so this week, man, I'm going to really focus in on scripture memorization. For some weeks, it's like, man, I need to get in the Word but, and just study. But if you see that as a duty, right, then it's going to suck. And you never memorize it. Yeah. That was the hardest part for me because I was like, man, I need to memorize scripture and I'd be... I'm the kid that got like kicked out of Awanas, right? And so I'm reading <laughs> and I get, I'm like, man, I can't memorize this. But then there are those moments when I'm just studying the text mm-hmm. and it grabs hold of my heart and there's just, and I can And relate. you'll never forget it. Exactly. Yeah. I've never tried to memorize Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Because it was life-changing for Exactly. You. It's and like, so oh, yeah. And there are just those verses in different people's lives that for somebody, maybe it's John three sixteen, right? It's a great place to start. For some people, maybe it's going to happen in Luke this week, right? Maybe it's and but it's there's those verses that are just like John twenty one. You follow me now, right? Just all those little things that happen, and it's like, but when I'm trying to do those things, and it's this idea of it's going to work harder, and I'm going to grit my teeth, and I'm going to get there. It never happens for me in my experience. And some guys might be able to grind it out and get there, and and that's how their spiritual life works, and that's cool. Um, but I think for me, what that that idea that Foster talks about, when you put the sales up, just how much much better God is at discipling than I am at discipling myself. Right. But I think the key phrase that I've heard it said multiple different ways. I've heard Foster say it. I've heard you say it. I've heard Tim say it. And this week, Alistair said it this way. He said, "If dependence is the objective, then weakness is your advantage." Mm, say so that again. If yep. dependence Depend- is your objective, then weakness is your advantage. And we're talking about dependence on God, dependence yeah. on his power, his spirit. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, because so often I read scriptures, this is what's going to fix me Yeah. today. This is this verse, this idea, if I can wrap my mind around, if I can memorize this, if I can pray this way, that'll be what fixes me today or whatever that looks like or fixes this situation. But I think ultimately that through this list, my prayer for myself, for my future wife, and for our church would be that the individuals that sit in our seats every weekend or listen online or whatever that looks like, that this doesn't create a process in them of them becoming more impressive, but it creates a earnest desire to get to know God more because he's so much better than we'll ever be. Yeah, And I think that that is what blood, sweat, and tears when you look at that. I think that's my my ultimate goal for myself because I don't just work at this church. I go to this church yeah. and I'm excited that I get to do that. And so over the next eight weeks, kind of my, to the people out there listening, they probably don't give a crap, but it's like, how am I going to enter into this series as a church member is all right through this process. It's not going to be about me doing more, mm-hmm. but where can I put the sales up and find a light and desire in the midst of these eight weeks? Right. right. I think that would be for me as a church member. If I was, well, I am going to be here for all eight weeks. Um, well, I'll miss a couple of them for, some really important dates. Yeah, there's some but, really important uh, dates. Yeah, but you know, there's there's so so there might be someone who's listening to this years from now because mm-hmm. the interwebs are yeah. forever. Um, this is our approach to all of disciplines. Yeah, you know, and and maybe you know this, you know, I don't know, five years from now, because I th- I think you and I are the same as when we find a podcast that we like to listen to, yep. we go back to the beginning yep. and we go back through the catalog. Maybe this uh, series. Um, recorded for posterity will be helpful for folks to just kind of go through some. Th- and, and here's another thing. They're not all the basics, no. but there are eight basics that we chose yep. for the life of the church that we think is helpful in the discipleship process. Right now. Ba- yes, right. Yeah. That's why we chose uh, how to resolve conflict yep. as one of them. That's a big part of discipleship. How many people leave the church because of conflict? Yep. I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the church in general, you know, or or they're like, well, I'm done with Christians because I thought it was going to be, you know, everyone was going to be as perfect as I am immediately. And I found out that they're not, you know, well, 
guess what? God's word tells us how to resolve conflict. My favorite quote is, uh, if you find a perfect church, leave immediately because you're going to ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good yeah. one. So uh, since since you were talking about story, mm-hmm. so there's, there's a, uh, a family that are part of our church. They're, in fact, they used to be a part of the Buckley campus. Now they're part of the Manistee campus. But they actually live in Ludington, right? Mm-hmm. So the Cares. Yeah. And Jim Jim and Stephanie Care, if you know them, love them dearly. Uh, it's a long story how we got to know them. In fact, yeah. we we should probably have them on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, both physically impressive. You know, they play rugby uh, or they played at least. I think they're involved in coaching now. Uh, there was co-ed rugby. Who knew there was co-ed rugby, right? But there was also, she was in with the women. He was with the men. And they have a son. Uh, Nick, who is, to me, he's a giant. You know, he lives in your realm, you know, his size. And so Nick had nothing, here's my point. Nick had nothing to do with um, his genetics. That was because of his parents and God, Mm -hmm. right? And so he's a physically impressive, he's a very tall kid. I think he's taller than his dad now. Um, uh, Stout, strong, all, I mean, that's how he was made. But as he graduates this year, He's committed to play football at Siena Heights, which is awesome because they really wanted him. That's a good school that really wanted him. They needed that position, and he's going to have an opportunity to play there, right? And I always – this is not what I'm talking about, but I always tell uh, kids, whatever sport they're in, if they want to play in college, go somewhere where you're wanted. You know, you see all these kids are like, you know, kind of bite off more that they can chew, and then they sit for four years, Mm -hmm. and then they, you know, maybe play four times. When you're still a kid, if you're not going pro, (laughs) go go somewhere where you wanted to, you could play more, right? Well, Sienna Heights wanted Nick. Well, just this week, I was texting with his dad, and and when when Jim said, yeah, you know, he's committed to Sienna Heights, and I was like, oh, man, that's awesome. You must be proud and all that kind of stuff. And then immediately his next picture, uh, and I think you'll appreciate this, right? So there's a picture of him mm-hmm. uh, in the Siena Heights locker room because he's awesome. committed there. But look at what he's doing. Yep. Grinding. How many plate? He's got four. I saw the video. I think he did 500. 500? Is that Looks squat? Good, good on him. Oh, yeah. 500 on a squat. Yeah. Right? That kid right now, it's May. Yeah. And he's grinding mm-hmm. for for something. He, he hasn't even graduated from high school yet. Absolutely. And so that goes back to what you were saying. Blood. Now he was gifted physically mm. with natural gifts yeah. that he had nothing to do with. That's the by grace we're saved through faith, right? But he there was a purpose. He had to refine that. Yeah, he has to eat right. He has to hit the gym, mm-hmm. and he loves doing it. Yeah. He and and his dad loves doing it, and they love doing it together. And that's our goal. Makes a difference with blood, sweat, and tears. Is we don't want to create little robots that are like, oh, here's another thing we have to do. Then don't. Yeah. In fact, I would even say. Out of the eight topics of blood, sweat, and tears, choose the one that kind of moves you. Yeah. That you're, you know, maybe God might say, oh, that one's not for you. Like, don't try to do all eight at once. Right. Except make sure conflict resolution is one of them that you do right. because, yeah. you know, we're just tired of it. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll talk more about that in week seven. Mm. But, um, <laughs> oh, my goodness, God's people, I love them. Um, but choose, choose one or two. Yep. And work on those and pick on some of the other ones later. What we don't want to do, you know, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, right? Meaning there's not a whole lot that we have to do. Well, there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation, Mm -hmm. but there is a yoke and there is a burden. Yeah. There is a discipline. There is a deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And like Paul said to Timothy, physical training, you know, hitting the gym and hitting 500 squat. Yeah, that's got some value, Nick. 
but you and I know Nick, and this is also a kid who's earnest in his mm-hmm. faith. Yeah, man, I you know I'm I'm gonna sell him out right now. But I loved watching him and his dad worship at man yep. camp. That kid was into it, yeah. right? And and was eating up everything that Foster. Yeah, I mean, you could tell he was there to sponge because he understands that godliness has value for all Absolutely. things. You know, so if I could ask you just a couple questions um, before we kind of just wrap up, but just this, this idea. As we're looking at blood, sweat, and tears, and this idea of duty and discipline and delight and desire. So, like in your experience, um, maybe in your personal walk, mm-hmm. practical and tactical, what have been some times where maybe you see yourself slipping into duty and discipline? And what are some practical ways that you kind of try to realign back to that delight and desire piece in your own personal intimacy with Jesus? Yeah. So, I was in my late 20s um, and, you know, we're having kids, maybe early 30s. I'm in missions, we're, we're in a sports ministry in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, um, man, I was trying to make myself a better disciple and I, it was like banging my head against the wall and it w- it was all about the shoulds. I was shooting on myself. <laughs> well, this is what missionaries should do. This is how they should pray. This is how they should study the Bible. And there was just no joy in it whatsoever. And I don't, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly before, but I actually got to a season where I, I was just reading the Bible I, like robotic. I didn't even remember anything in it. I was just going through it. And and it, finally, I just said to myself, well, I said to the Lord, I said, God, I said, listen, I love you. I'm not turning my back on you, but I'm going to stop reading the Bible until like David, I'm a deer panting for water, like I'm desperate for mm-hmm. it because I felt like it had just become exactly that. I was just grinding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, someone that overtrained. And so I just stopped. And like the first couple of days, it's like, I don't remember my Bible today. And then it's like a week, but man, I haven't read the Bible in a while. And that went on for about a month, maybe more. Now, I didn't stop praying, didn't stop loving Jesus. I, I just I went into a season, yeah. whenever that is, you know, of. What's the Chris Brown adage for those people out there? Like, oh, oh, I'm just in a season of not reading my Bible. It's like, well, it's been 20 years. It's That's more yeah. of a lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but this was a season. Yeah. And. There, man, I, I don't remember what it was, but there was something that was going on and, and I, I felt hungry for God mm-hmm. and I pushed it like another week. And then I found myself just wanting to read um, because I was hungry for God. And um, it's like the Bible came alive then. And it, now this is for me. This is not for everybody else. Right. I needed a reset. Yeah. And, and the reset had to do with stop making it just a check mark like working out every day or or you know feeding the dog it w- it was literally like my brain changed to i read the bible when i want to which mm-hmm. is quite often um but i but i read the bible when i'm hungry for it yeah. like you know kind of like food now that just had to do with the Bible, but there's some other things that that even even just in the process of this that that God has challenged me. It's like I, I want to read the Bible with my wife. Uh, you know, there's some people that do that all the time. That's not something that Darcy and I have done regularly. We've read the Bible together before, but they were very short little stints. You know, so that's something for me to approach her and say, "Hey, you know, do you think it would work out for you know you and I to just kind of." you know, this next expository series, I would like to read in advance with her because mm. she's a brilliant theologian, yeah, that's cool. you know? So, so, but we don't have to do that forever. Right. You know, um, prayer is another thing. You know, I know that I have made prayer sometime. Well, it's the beginning of the day. I got to get out on my knees and, you know, do the whole prayer thing. 
Um, but with prayer, it's the same thing. I've, I've tried to make it more as I'm going. Mm-hmm. I'll pray in the car. You know, I, I, um, I think I freaked out. Uh, I, I don't, well, not freaked out, but there was a staff member that was at the basics conference because I joined you guys. Um, I actually drove from my daughter's graduation in Indiana, drove um, five, almost six hours to Cleveland. Um, and I said, I didn't turn on the radio one time. It was silent. Sorry, there, were, there was 30 minutes or 35 minutes where I listened to a sermon from someone that I respect. But the other five hours, it was complete silence. And some of that was prayer. Some of that was meditation. Uh, I was doing sermon prep because I already knew the scripture that I had read uh, before I got in the car and I was marinating on it for five. Dude, that was awesome. Yeah. I don't get to do that all the time though right. because I don't have five hours in a car all the time. You but, should work at the Manistee campus. You should, you'll get a lot more driving back and forth. Little drive time. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Hey man, you got to <laughs> no, turn that expense report, no, bro. Kidding. But yeah, so so uh, yeah, so for me, yeah. it's it's – it's as I go. And so not making it necessarily uh, like a check mark on the calendar. It's just incorporating all of that into my life yeah. all the time. So what I heard was like this idea of it. You had to shift because I know, I mean, everybody who's listening to the podcast knows how you kind of grew up in the context. So for you, it was finding ways to make it more of a lifestyle yes. than just like a check the box list. Yes. Yeah. Now, now, now having said that, you know, having a Christian um, college experience, mm-hmm. There was the discipline of, uh, I got an A in Old Testament and I got an A in New Testament. Well, you don't just get A's. That was a discipline of going to class, doing the work, writing the papers, taking the tests. And, but now all that's in there. Mm-hmm. So there's sometimes there is a season to be disciplined. Right. And then once you know the discipline, um, like, like for example, somebody trained you to do that little, um, that little what's the offensive line? Kick step. Yeah. Someone trained you to do that kick step. Uh, you probably haven't done it in a couple of months, right? but the last time you did it, you were probably demonstrating for somebody how to do it. But when you first learned it, someone had to make you do it by repetition mm-hmm. over and over and over until it's till now it's natural. Yep. Well, you don't need it in your everyday walk now, but you do use it, I assume in your coaching. Yep. Um, and so it's the same thing. It's their seasons are a good time to discipline yourself. I'm going to make myself do this, make myself yeah. do this. Um, there was one time, and sorry, I know we're trying to wrap no, up, good. but I'm not trying to wrap up. one one of one of my it, this was a random thing. It, it actually came right after that season where I stayed away from the Bible. Is I started reading again, and a um, uh, I think it was a Jehovah's Witness had come to my house, and he was misquoting scripture left and right, <laughs> and um, when he left, I man, I was just really thinking about that, and then I said, you know what? Um, he was quoting a verse that I hadn't heard before, but I looked it up and I saw how it was out of context and all that kind of stuff. But I decided I wanted to read the Bible from cover to cover. And um, I decided to, to, to not delay. And I told one of my friends, I said, I'm going to read the Bible from cover to cover and I'm going to do it in 40 days. And if I don't, and, you know, we basically, you know, I made a wager, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to ask me on this day, did I do it? And if I didn't, I owe you X, right? It, just to make it fun. Right. And I got after it and I, I'd, I'd bought a brand new Bible. Uh, you'll love this. It was the message Bible and it was a paraphrase. Mm-hmm. And I read that sucker from cover to cover in 40 days. It was the only thing I read for 40 days. I didn't read anything else. And some people were like, oh, you shouldn't go so fast. 
hey, I read it in 40 days. I, you know, it's that is, you know, there's a time to read the Bible slow and there's a time to be able to say, I've read the Bible cover to cover. Yep. So the next time a Jehovah's Witness came to my house, you know, I said, I was like, I've read the Bible cover to cover of you. And he was like, no. And I said, come back when you've read it cover to cover because you're misquoting everything. Mm-hmm. And he never came back, you yeah. know. But it's good too because what you just gave a super practical advice that I want I don't want people to miss is another way that and I've done this in my own life when see, uh, the text seems to get stale or I'm beginning to it feels like a grind something that I've done is change translations yes and that's not go to something that's radically not correct and aligned with what God right God's word is but there are multiple translations that read differently that say things in new ways. So like for me, there's been a time in my life where it's like, man, you know what? I need to read the Bible yeah, and just read it and understand yeah. it. And I want to read it in a way that I talk. And so that was when I read the Bible through in the message. Yeah. Um, but there's also been seasons in my life where it's like, man, I want to understand this text and the totality of everything that's happening in here. And that's where I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the NASB that uses all the words and yes. then some. Yes. And it's different. And so there's those times where you shift those things around. And for some, for the average Joe out there, it's like, I'm not buying extra Bibles. Swing by. If you if that's going to be what gets you in, yeah. I got a lot in my office. Man, but, uh, <laughs> I get excited about a new Bible. Oh, 100%. It's like oh, I got and one then, right here. Yeah, yeah, you know, pretty then, much stole this thing from Alistair Bay. Yeah, is that a Spurgeon one? Goatskin, goatskin Spurgeon, forty five dollars. Oh, that's that's amazing. You can't dude. beat it. Yeah, I saw. I it. hid two of them. I thought I, about just it in case I'm our like, guys wanted to come get some. Yeah, I wasn't going to grab it, but uh, you thought um, about it until you saw the translation, and you're like, I can't. I've been no, no, no. It's good. Too, no, that's too, good. Is that the what is the translation on that one? Christian Standard Bible. Nice. CSB. <laughs> no, CSB is a good Bible. NLT. Here's a, here's NLT is a, a good one if you want to read through it as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. In, in fact, if, if you're looking for everyday language and you don't want the message as a paraphrase, which the message serves a purpose, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, we're, we're not the pitchforks and torches on Bible translations. No. You might love the King James. Yep. There are some verses that I still only know in the King James because I went to a kids program in the Wesleyan church when I was little, and that's all we used. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the scripture that I have memorized in my head is in NIV 1984 mm-hmm. because that's what I used up until I was 30 years old when, and I'll say this publicly, when for some stupid reason, Zondervan banned it. First, they had the the new NIV, and then they did away with that translate. You can't buy those in, unless, you know, some obscure spot, you know. Holman came through. With the CSP, right. That is pretty much the 1984 NIV. Yes, true. But I would say the New Living Translation, that's, a that's a, easy to understand. You know, I prefer the ESV because it's most readable, most accurate. Um, but here's, here's another, I mean, not on translations. Here's another great challenge. I'm not going to say a discipline. Here's a great challenge. I think I was 28 years old and uh, there was a guy that came and spoke at, at, at one of these soccer camp things that we were doing. And he challenged us, man, if you really want to understand the gospel, you really want to understand theology. He said, try reading Romans in one sitting <laughs> and it'll take you not as long as you think. You can read the book of Romans in about an hour. Or less. You know how much time, I mean, I mean, even even less than that. I mean, you could probably do it in about, I mean, depending on, I, I don't want to say because then people are comparing, well, it took me 30 minutes and it took Two episodes before. of The Office. Yeah. How much time do we waste doing nothing? Right. When if, you know, you had a good cup of coffee and you, see, in reading Romans from beginning to end as one continuous letter, first of all, when you get letters, you normally don't read 
the first paragraph and then put it down and say, I'm going to save the rest for later. <laughs> I mean, when I, I mean, back in the day when we actually wrote letters, I remember getting letters from my girlfriend who lived in Buckley, Michigan. And at the time, I'm living at my parents' home in Dayton, Ohio in the summer. And I would get a letter from her. And, you know, it was her handwriting and all this kind of, I didn't read the first paragraph and then go, I'm going to save the rest for tomorrow. <laughs> You know, and then read the second paragraph. I'm gonna save the rest for tomorrow. The long letters were good, and I'd read the entire thing, and then I'd reread the entire thing, and then I'd reread my favorite parts. Uh, Oh yeah, they're somewhere. (laughs) They're somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We got to burn them before the kids. You know, (laughs) sorry, before we die, and the kids find it right. But, oh, sorry, I forgot to silence my phone. Uh, orange <laughs> things on. He just did that on purpose. Yeah, I just did that on purpose. For on your, purpose, like, yeah. But sorry, so that's another challenge. Reading yeah. like Romans or any book of the Bible, especially yeah. the epistles. Try reading it. I mean, it's harder with stories, mm-hmm. but we're more used to that with like if I'm reading a novel, uh, which I don't do a lot, but if I'm reading a novel or a story, I may not read the whole book in one night. But if it's a letter, especially the epistles, try reading the entire thing. Then you get the flow, yep. the thought. Oh, that's why he went there. That's why that therefore is there, you yeah. know, and so forth. So Sweet. Well, yeah, blood, sweat, and tears. That's kind of the preview. It's the next series we're jumping into as a church. I'm excited it's basics. about it. Yeah. It's fundamentals. Yep. Getting back to the fundamentals of the Christian faith while oh, we're doing what we're doing. And what's a women's retreat called? Equipped. Yeah, which is the same type of yeah. theme. Yep. How to equip you with the weekend? basics. That'll yeah. be... This podcast will drop, so it's not too late to register. I'll speak for them. Um, if you haven't signed up and you're listening to this podcast, this coming weekend, um, you can go to the women's retreat. Um, don't let finances be a reason. Don't let anything uh, be a reason. Reach out to one of our campuses. Um, just call or uh, reach out to Rachel Vore or Lindsay Hoflinger, and they will make sure that you get there, that you get plugged in. Um, so if you're a woman out there, it's like, you know what? I do want to go to this. I want to get equipped. Um, maybe you're looking for community. Um, maybe you're just looking to for some encouragement. Um, one of our favorites, Foster and Laura, Laura Christie, oh, be a... will be in town. Hey, so that's John, exciting. Yeah. Go to the light. Hope's John. excited. She's going. So, Her voice sounds like sweet tea. Yeah, would sound. We, if we had sweet good tea sweet tea that one night. Oh, we had great sweet tea. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it was a good deal. Sign up for that retreat, even if you're Who not. Knew there'd up be yet. great sweet tea in Cleveland, Ohio. I know. It. Thanks, Alistair. What else? Um, what do I want? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, what do we want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what we haven't had in a while? Trace cakes. Trace cakes. I love trace cakes too. Yeah. I would like um Adam Sharp, our to, next gen, yeah, pastor here. He always campus. says that he makes quote unquote the best wings. Real ones. I've never had wings that bone, he's made. Bone-in wings is what he says. And he always says, and I quote, the best. That's a phrase Wait, he, he so, uses. So he's saying the wings that he makes are the best wings. Sorry, Absolutely. Could you say that again? Yeah, that's, even Siri was confused by that. She said, sorry, could you say that again? That was really trippy. I know. Yeah. So Adam, could you say that again? Yeah. You so, say you make the best wings. I prove go, it. Well, prove it. Prove it. Haven't seen them. This is a shout out to Adam Sharp. Yeah. Prove it, buddy. I know Samantha listens. Tell it's your summertime. Husband, it's time. You got that new deck? He could bring a grill right here to church. That would be awesome. If he just makes some of those wings. Yeah, the best wings. Not just so wings, he makes if the you best. see Adam Sharp this week, could Come. you help us out and just, as you walk by, go, hey, Adam, we'd prove like it. you to prove it. Yeah, prove, prove it. it. Yeah. And and specifically need to prove it to Britton, Benjamin, and John. Yeah. yeah, and I think, too, there's a lot of tabernacle men that have cowered 
to the challenge of Ben Yost jerky being the best. Oh. And they said, you know what? They're right. I'm not even going to try to make any. I've seen no jerky show up at the church. And I'm hungry for some reason, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. No, it's exciting. June 4th is coming, buddy. You just got to hang on. One month. Hey. Was it? One month from yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We got this, JB. It's going to be good. If you want to hear. Yeah. I'm excited. Skylar Bibles, Micron Pins, Chick-fil-A. And uh, we also need Lillian Vermilia to actually decorate this room for yeah, us. Where's she at? Well, she's at home. She's not doing anything. She's college not doing anything. Over. She graduated. It's time to use that degree. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, college graduation, that was aggressive. Yeah, mm. by the way, that's what the little, on the top left hand of your phone, that's what the little switch is for, for those old people. That oh, got still, like the still on the silencing phones. Phone. Oh, yeah, silence your phone. I just wanted to phone. say that because, like. <laughs> I appreciate I that. I appreciate you, yeah. Benji. Benji's going to be teaching a six-week course. On how to silence uh, your summer. phone it's at church. To silence your phone at church. It's, it's oh similar to our goodness. marriage retreat, but it's just going to be Benji up there. Thanks, so. Over and over. That is the son calls. of my right hand. And Benji, man, what's something um, that you would like to see as a sponsorship? Now, you work hard, man. You've earned, Dude, you've earned it at this know. point. He's going to say Smith and Wesson. Yeah, both of them, not <laughs> just one. <laughs> Sig and Sour. Five guys. Five guys. Oh, five guys. Dude, Benji, did I tell you what five guys did to Adam? What did they do to him? He ordered a double cheeseburger this week um, while they were driving down. I wasn't there. They gave him a burger with no burger. And you know what that man did? Wait, Eighth. a burger with no burger? They didn't what? put any meat in between it. So it was just a bun? bun just a bun and ketchup. toppings. And he ate... Three bites before you realized there was no beef. That 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 can't happen okay. in five. Uh, that um, guy was high. And then Adam didn't if go you, up there and tell them. If you don't notice that there isn't beef, okay. he's got issues. Yeah, he's There's got a issues. major problem. Yeah, the best wings. Dude, There's a major problem. Yeah. So no, but we love Five Guys. Love Five. Ninety nine percent of the time, there's going to be. See, I, w- I would say 100% of the time, but 99% of the time there's going to be beef in there because <laughs> right. that's a random. Yeah. So, yes, five guys. Look, we know that Chick-fil-A will be in heaven, right? Because that it's just, if there's going to be fast food, it's going to be Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. There might be five guys. On the way. Oh. Maybe it's just on the way. <laughs> Maybe it's on the way. Five guys for sure. Outside the gates. <laughs> oh, they get a, oh, I could do a five guys right now. So like my I. mouth is getting water just thinking about it. Yeah. Well, sweet. Binge. Anything else for the people? Silence your phone. Cheeseburgers is Benji's love language. Oh, I had a friend text Hope and I because they're I think they're putting together like a care package for where we go on our honeymoon or whatever. She's like, hey, what are some of you guys' favorite snacks? And I texted back, bacon cheeseburgers. And Hope texted back in that group message, that's not a snack. And I said, I said bacon cheeseburgers. If I would have said bacon cheeseburgers and fries, then it's not a snack. But a bacon cheeseburger on its own is just a snack. It's just a snack for Britain Bishop. Well done. <laughs> so sweet. Well. No, I got something. Okay. Just, and this is back to our theme is, um, and this might feel out of place, but it, 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 it blessed me and I shared it with my fight club guys. Uh, this is probably two years ago, but we were on the way to school and uh, I, I had Benji and Gabby in the car and you know, usually if I'm in the car first, or even if I'm not, I'll just flip it open to this Bible app, whatever the verse of the day is, I'll read it to the kids and I'll be like, hey, this is the verse of the day, verse of the week, whatever. And I remember flipping over my phone one time and I said, verse of the day is Psalm 119, I think it's Psalm 144. Yeah, sorry, 144 and whatever the verse was. And I said the first word and my son recited it. 
And he was a little, he was like, I know what that is. And Benjamin, do you remember what it was? Not reading. He's not going to read it. <laughs> Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. And I was like, and both Gabby and I were like, what? what? <laughs> oh, by he the speaks. Way, by the way, I didn't ask him to do this. I hate it when he does this. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, son. Yeah. But the reason that I'm, seriously, I'm sorry. But uh, th- the reason that I'm sharing that is he was like 12 years old. But that was a verse that he'd read mm-hmm. that he liked and he remembered it. And it wasn't hard for him because in his spirit and God's spirit joined up right there with his word. And me and Gabby were blown away. That's awesome. Yeah. So anyone, you know, the thing is with God's word is you will not benefit from a promise in the Bible that you refuse to believe. Yeah. John Woodhouse Mm -hmm. said that at the basics and Adam texted that to me and it was like, dang, the word of the Lord is as reliable as the Lord is. That's another thing that he said. And so it's driving us back to the Bible. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your aptitude. It doesn't matter your ability. Um, we're a church that's founded on the word. Every church is, that, that's worth its salt is founded on the word. If a church is not founded on the word, leave it immediately. Go away. Yeah. If sermons are not based on the word, find a different ser- sermon maker. Mm-hmm. If a sermon does not have as its foundation Christ, go somewhere else. Yeah. If we ever stop doing that as a church, as preachers, tell us first, remind us, and then uh, leave us because uh, we're only as strong as God and his word and our commitment to God, his son, Jesus, his word. And so that's the end of my rant. Amen. Mm. Mm. Thanks, boss. Sweet. Well, until next time, this is John, Benji, and Britton signing off.